You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Today I want to talk to you about activating the law of increase in your life. And I really felt compelled to preach this because we're living in a time right now that the leadership we have in America is just screwing everything up. The economy is just not anywhere where it should be. And I'm not here to complain about the government. That's all going to change here pretty soon anyway. But what I am saying, the, the law or the way to activate the law of increase is what we need to do, especially during times like this that we live in. And one of the things I want you to write down is simply this. The way that you see yourself will affect how much of the law of increase you increase in your life. If you see yourself as a loser, if you see yourself as nothing, if you feel, see yourself as insignificant, if you see yourself as a failure, you're not going to be able to work the law of increase in your life and you're going to end up attracting the very thing that you don't want. Are you with me so far, church? All right. I want you to look up on the screen. I want you to look at this verse in Proverbs. There is one who scatters yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. I want you to remember this, that whenever you sow a seed, the seed will come back to the origin that it was sent in. In other words, prosperity in any area in your life is the result of seed sowing. A lot of people don't sow seed because they think, well, I, that seed will never come back. The seed always returns to the origin of what it was sent. Say always. always. Not some of the time, all the time. So he says here, the guy that scatters, in other words, whenever you sow seed, it's important for you to understand that it, it's the circulation of the seed that brings the increase to you in your life. It's what attracts the opportunities and blessings in your life is the seed that you sow. Now, what confuses a lot of people is sometimes an individual will sow a seed but it appears as if it didn't come back. Jesus said this. He said, give and it shall be given to you. Press down, chain together, running over, shall men give to your bosom. He made it very clear that it would return to the place of its origin. If you want to have a blessed life in your marriage, raising your kids, whatever you do, you're going to have to sow seeds, thoughts, Words, deeds, offerings, all that you have to sow. And when you do, it begins to return to you. But it always returns with more than what you sowed. You remember the verse that says this? It says, God cannot be mocked. Whatever you sow, you shall reap. Now, we all know about reaping negative things. But what a lot of people don't realize, and this will help you not sow a negative thought, is that you get far more back than what you sowed. You come into the service today, you got a bad attitude, you're going to get far more back than what you sowed in the negative realm. You come in here with a positive attitude, 
you're going to receive far more back than the positive things that you suggested at that point. Amen? In other words, God set up this system. It's called the law, the law, the law of increase, where everything produces after its own kind. Everything is a byproduct of something that is sowed. And God's not cheap. Have you ever noticed an apple tree wastes lots of apples when it produces fruit? Not every apple is eaten. The apples that, that fall to the ground and rot, they just reproduce. God is a God of reproduction. And when he created man, he said, you're going to be fruitful and multiply and you're going to replenish the earth. This is a principle in scripture that you cannot avoid. Now, here, and one of the things we have to do is we have to make sure that we don't see ourselves in a way that makes us stingy. Why are some people stingy and other people are generous? People that believe that they're the source of the increase in their life are always stingy. Because if their checking account is not high, they're stingy. If they don't have enough money, they're stingy because they believe that they're the source. But when you believe that God is your source, not your job, not your stocks, not your 4K, but you believe that God himself is your source, you'll never be a stingy person. When I got saved, I went from stingy to generous because I served a generous Jesus that gave his life for me on the cross, that gave everything he had up on for me, praise God. And once that happened and I realized that God was the source of my life, he was the source of my blessing, not my job, not my money I got in the bank. It was him that was the source. I began to step into the law of increase of sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping. And I want to talk to you about that today because I believe this is the key that you need to do, especially during times where there's economic hardship. Best time to give is not when, you're, when everything's going well, it's when everything's going south. Say amen. amen. So the way I see myself will affect it. When you see yourself, you need to make sure you don't see you, but you see Christ in you. And if you see Christ in you, you're going to be generous. If you see Christ in you, you're going to have power. If you see Christ in you, you're going to be more than a conqueror. If you see Christ in you, you're going to succeed in your life. But a lot of people, they just don't see themselves as that way. They see themselves as a failure, that they can't seem to, to get ahead and whatever. And that's why the law of increase doesn't work in their life to the degree that they want. See, there's a difference between spending and giving. We all heard this expression, you can only spend it once. It implies once you spend it, it's gone. But when you look in Christianity, it's not about spending, it's about giving. Giving, it's not gone. It will come back. Giving, it's not, I, oh, I gave this much money. It's not gone. It's not gone. It's going to return to the origin of which it was sent. It's going to return to your house. It's going to return to your marriage. It's going to return to your children. It's going to return to that origin. 
Now, let me explain that, and, and maybe I'll, I'll amplify this a little bit. Philippians 4, 9 says, says this. It says, but God shall meet all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now, how many would agree needs are more than just money? In other words, health could be a need. Emotional stability could be a need. An opportunity could be a need. A vision could be a need. In other words, needs are wrapped up, not just finances, but every aspect. But they're all released in our lives through some form of giving in our lives. Are you ready to give in faith in your words? Are you ready to give in faith by what you say? Are you ready to give in your service? Are you ready to give financially? Are you ready to give in opportunities? Are you ready? Because the law of increase always comes back to you, much more so than what was originally so. I think we ought to give God praise right now that we are blessed. Thank you, Lord. So say this with me. God's not a stingy God. He doesn't just give you enough to get by and go, ah, oh, they're going to learn something from this. No. God is a generous God. He doesn't have a shortage in heaven. He does not have a low supply. He does not have lack. He has an infinite supply of blessing to pour into your life. He is not a stingy God. He's a generous God, and he wants to come through and bless you in a great way. Hallelujah. Now, I think sometimes people miss out, and they, understand, they don't understand that. Some people sow things, and they think, well, it didn't come back. Everything comes back, and it'll come back in the same way that it formed but multiplied. Sow money, money comes back. Sow a thought, good thoughts come back. Always comes back. But what, what people get confused is like the story of Cornelius in the book of Acts, if you ever read it. Cornelius was a Gentile that believed in God. He wasn't born again, didn't fill the Holy Spirit, wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit yet. And he gave a large offering to the work of God. God sent an, off, uh, an angel to him and told him this, said, listen, I want you to send someone to the house of Joppa and ask for Peter because Peter needs to minister to you a message. And while this is going on, Peter's at Joppa and he's praying on the rooftop. He gets this vision of, this un of these unclean animals on a sheep and he hears this voice three times, take and eat and take and eat. But see, he's, he's Jewish. He's, he's used to uh, religious laws concerning food. And he said, I can't do that. And he didn't understand what the Lord was telling him. But then after the vision... The Lord said, I want you to go with those that are knocking at the door. He goes with them. Now watch, Cornelius sowed money. But it's coming back not directly in money. It's coming back with a revelation to Peter and hearing the gospel for the first time concerning the Holy Spirit and power. So Peter gets there. And he goes because the Holy Ghost tells him to go and begins to preach. And he says, this is that Jesus who God anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. What about doing good? He law all those are oppressed to the devil. And Peter perceived at that moment that God was no longer a respecter of persons. He wanted everyone from every culture to get saved. And he said that. And as soon as he said that, the Holy Spirit fell on Cornelius and everyone in the house 
And they began to speak in tongues and prophesy just like Peter did earlier when he received it. And all of a sudden, the revelation that God wanted to give out to everyone. Now, you say, well, Cornelius didn't get money back. Yes, he did. Because he got the Holy Ghost who would lead him, who would direct him, who would bless the hands of what he does. And he got increased and continued and continued and continued. But it had many forms before it returned in the form of the increase that he gave. Hallelujah. There's a reason why people spend their whole life in lack. It's a reason why. And uh, those that scatter a lot, they're going to get increase. Those that withhold more than they should, it's going, poverty is going to follow their lives. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's for someone else, not me. I'm a giver, praise God. <laughs> Amen. Now, I'm going to show you some things here that are really going to help you in this area. Uh, turn with me or look up on the screen in Genesis chapter 4, and I want to show you the first incident in Scripture of stewardship in the Bible that you'll find. Look what it says. Now, Adam knew Eve and his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, he came to pass that Cain brought an offering to the, uh, of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And also... Or Abel also brought, now notice he brings the firstborn. Say firstborn. firstborn. Turn to your neighbor and say firstborn. firstborn. Of his flock and their fat, and the Lord respected Abel in his offering. Now, in the text, it says that he didn't respect Cain's offering. Now, the question is, why didn't he respect Cain's offering? Because Abel brought the first fruits. The first fruits in scripture is all over is referring to the tithe. Here's the difference. Abel believed that God was the source of all of his increase. Cain believed that he was the source of it and he gave God the increase that he had acquired. So when Abel gave the offering, what he did is he took the first of his fruitfulness as a shepherd gave it to the Lord, and what that meant is the rest of his herd would be blessed. The rest of his herd would go over the top. The rest of his herd would be blessed in an abundant way. When you tithe, what you're doing is you're saying, Lord, I'm bringing your portion, and as I bring it to you, I know that as I bring it to you, because I did that, you'll bless the rest of what I have. Now, this is what's important. What's important about the truth here is that Abel was not the first tither. He's not the first tither. The first tither was Adam because in the garden, what they say, don't eat of this one tree. In other words, God withholds something for himself. Just like when they went into Jericho, they was held one city above all the others. That was the first fruits. In other words, give that to the Lord. Don't touch it because I want the rest of what you do to be blessed. Now, this is powerful because when you begin to understand this, you realize this was the first time in, in human history when there was a curse on this world. It was after Adam and Eve had sinned. 
And God said, now when you labor, it's going to be at the sweat of your brow. Jesus said, uh, he said, I come to make your burden easy and light, not heavy. But when sin was on the earth, there was this bondage where people would just work and work and work and work. And, and sin caused things to be unproductive. So the way to counteract that is this first fruit offering. Hallelujah. Did you know that tithing is really a way that God tests your heart? I'm serious. The word tithe means 10% of your income. That's what it means, or the 10% of your uh, increase, however you want to look at it. But it also is the word 10, and 10 in Scripture is always used for the testing of a person. Always. You remember when the Pharaoh was in Egypt, he had how many plagues? Ten. Daniel was tested ten days. There were ten virgins. It was a test. It was a test. You find it all through the Bible that ten is a number used for testing you. God gave the Ten Commandments. Why? To test the heart of man. The tithe is designed to test us to see if we'll be faithful with what God has given us. And if you prove faithful, then God gives you more. I'm pretty excited at this point. In fact, I'm just getting worked up here. So, Pastor, I should have missed this message. No, you don't. You need to hear this. The tithe is the way that you overcome in an economy that's fallen apart. The tithe is the way that you get increase in your life because it activates the law of increase. And here's the thing. God will never let you be tempted to be on what you can take. He'll always give you a, he'll always increase revelation, always increase his anointing so that you're never tempted to be on what you can take. Let me give you an example of this. In Proverbs 3, it talks about if you tithe, bring in the first fruits, that your vats will overflow and your barns will be full. Great blessing, isn't it? But it's not the same measure of blessing as you see in Malachi chapter 3. In Malachi chapter 3, the blessing is different. It says that I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour on you such a blessing that you got to build more barns. That's how big a blessing it is. And I'll rebuke the devourer on, on your behalf. It's a bigger blessing. In other words, you don't got to worry about the next year. I'm going to rebuke the locusts. They never come back. Why does it increase in Malachi and is not in Proverbs? Proverbs was written in the age of the golden age of Israel when Solomon was in charge. The economy was good. People were getting paid good wages. Things were blessed during the time of Solomon, so the blessing level was lower. God wants you to know this, that as sin increases, his blessing far exceeds it. So that you'll never, ever, ever, ever be tempted beyond what you can take. You'll be able to overcome it. You'll be able to say, all right, the rewards are far greater than the temptations I'm going through right now. And you can rise up and say, I am a servant of the Lord. Praise God. And I will be blessed in a greater measure than what the devil's trying to take out of our lives. Hallelujah. So you see that within Scripture, and I think sometimes people, they don't see themselves in the right light. 
I'm a steward of God. This isn't my ministry. I am a representing Christ. You're, it's not your job. You're representing Christ on the job. You're doing your work as unto the Lord. It's not your business. It's Christ's business. He said, occupy until I come or do business till I come. You are his servants that represent him. Once you understand that, you realize, hey, Lord, the Bible says that everything belongs to you. And all you're requesting is that I would bring in the 10% that you want to invest in the house of God to pay the bills and the lights, to pay the electrical, to pay the, come on, to pay all the expenses of wages and all that. I want my people to bring that in. And then I want you to give that other 90%. It's all yours. And you can give free will offerings as you choose concerning that. These people that preach that all you should do is preach free will offerings in church don't know the Bible, number one. Number two, you can't run a church that way because then the people only give based on what they really desire to give. So it's always a missionary. It's always a traveling minister. Who's going to pay the electric bill? Who's going to pay the senior pastor? Who's going to pay the staff members? Who's going to pay the TV people? Who's going to pay that? You won't be able to do it. You'll be worrying yourself trying to come up with gimmicks how you can give people to give in a free will offering. The tithe supports the church, the, the, the pastors on staff. It supports that. It pays the bills, keeps the lights on, keeps things going. The free will offerings are for special things in the church. Amen. I believe that God wants everybody to prosper. I suppose if you don't want to prosper, then this message probably won't help you. But if you seriously don't want to end your days on welfare or in your days uh, living in the basement of someone that's doing you a favor, you practice these principles, you'll never end up broke. David said, I'm, I've been young and old and never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. Say amen, praise God. This word works in your life. But you got to be committed to it, even during difficult times. Amen. Now, one of the things that comes up is this. And I think it's justifiable to deal with some of these areas. Some people seem to have, it's a confused theory, but they come up with different ideas that justify them not doing this scripture or scriptures. They say things like this, well, we're not under the, the law anymore, so I don't have to tithe. Now, think about that for a minute. We're not under the letter of the law. Would you all agree? But we don't still commit adultery, do we? No, we do what Jesus says. We don't even look on a woman to lust for her. Under law is the outward letter of it. Just because you're under, not under law doesn't mean that you stop practicing the moral standards that God has placed in the word. No, you'd think that was absolutely crazy. And tithing is a moral issue. He said, what do you mean a moral issue? God said this, because you're not bringing in the tithe, you're robbing me of the tithe. How can you rob someone if it doesn't belong to you? Obviously, God says, that's mine. 
and you're robbing me of it because you're not bringing it to the church. Like somebody working in a 7-Eleven store, he gets wages, then every so often he takes 50 or 60 bucks out of the till. Would you consider him stealing from the place that is paying his wages? Absolutely. The tithe, it's easy to give the tithe when you realize tithes doesn't belong to you. God says you can have 90% of what I have, but that 10% of your increase is mine. Amen. I think that's pretty exciting, don't you? But some people say that, but again, it's a, it's a moral issue. I don't, in my heart, I don't want to be stealing. I don't want to take something that doesn't belong to me. The tithe is sacred. It is so sacred that when you sow it, it sanctifies the rest of your work. It sanctifies the rest of what you do in your life. It sets apart the rest of your labor when you do that. That's why Abraham tithed. And by the way, he tithed some 500 years before the tithe was talked about in the law. 500 years. Think about that. And in fact, people say, well, it's not in the New Testament. You don't read your, you don't know your Bible. I mean, I hear these grace preachers. Oh, you don't need to do it. You're nuts. You're nuts. You're nuts. You're nuts. It's not scriptural. Even though I'm not under the letter of the law, I'm under the spirit of the law. I'm not going to break the Ten Commandments. I'm going to obey them in my heart. Under grace is not an exclusion from that. Amen. But, but remember, it started far before the law was ever given. It's a principle. You see it with Abraham. And by the way, Abraham is the father of our faith. Oh, but pastor, I don't see in the New Testament anything talked about it. Read your Bible, Hebrews 7. Hebrews 7, the church was doing a transition from the Jewish church to the Christian church. The whole chapter talks about how Abraham brought his tithe to the high priest at that day by the name of Melchizedek, which most people believe is a pre-incarnate Christ in the Old Testament. And in the text, it says very clearly that this priesthood continues on in Christ. It never stops. So of the father of our faith tithe to Jesus. How much more should we tithe to Jesus? Amen. And when you look at that, you get pretty excited about it because you realize that that blessing, the way, see, Abraham, he was a man that believed he would be blessed. He didn't see himself as someone that wouldn't have anything. When God called him out of the earth of the Chaldees, he told him several things. He said, number one, I'm going to bless you. You're going to become a blessing. In other words, you're going to have not only enough for yourself, you're going to have enough for everybody else. And he said, I'm going to make you famous. So when he left Ur of the Chaldees, he saw himself with more than enough. He saw himself with a covenant with God to have more than what he needed in his life. And so he tithed and released the law of increase in his life. And Abraham was filthy rich. Amen. I'm not telling you that if you're a tither, that you're going to be a billionaire, but I am saying this. You will eventually end up with more than what you need in your life. 
I can guarantee you that. If that's not true, then I shouldn't even be up here preaching. If Jesus Christ came and gave everything he had for me, the least I can do is honor him with that first fruit. The least I can do is be generous as the Lord moves on me for free will offerings. The least I can do that. He came and gave his whole self for me. Everything he had created, he gave it all up for me. And he not just didn't give it up, he descended into the grave. What the hell? Took the keys of death of Hades away from Satan. And he gave all that up, all that pain, and ascended on high so that I could receive a blessing of God. Don't you dare tell me that the law of increase ain't worth giving. God gave it all for me. I don't want to argue with him. If he wants 10% for the church, he gets 10%. If he asks for all of it, he can have all of it. He is the God of all. He created all. I don't got no air without him. I got no oxygen without him. I got no nothing without him. He holds the planets together. He holds the governments together. He holds the wars. Come on. He's the one that holds everything together. How much more can we give back to him when he gives Gave to act. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. How can we be stingy towards God? When he gave so much when you were dead and in trespassing and sin, he died for you. Hadn't been to church, hadn't tied, hadn't done anything. And God called you by his spirit. He drawed you up. And then he gave you an identity that's not your old identity. He gave you the identity of his son. And his son is worth everything. His son is worth every blessing. His son is worth every breakthrough. His son is worth it all because he gave it all up for you. Wow. I think I got you worked up a little bit there. I... You understand what I'm trying to get from this? I want you to see this, that everything, put the verse up on the screen, Psalms 24, 1, look at this verse. The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Everything belongs to God. He's simply letting us use it. Come on, church. Give God praise. Give God praise. Now, look at this next verse, uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 10. And this is a real spiritual truth, but this will really help you. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. He who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying that it's easier to be faithful with little things than it is with big things. It's easier to tithe off $100 than it is to tithe off $1,000. It's easier to tithe off $1,000 than it is to tithe off $50,000. It's easier to tithe off $50,000 than it is to tithe off $100,000. It is either it's easier to tithe off a half a million dollars than it is $1 million. You catch my point here. In other words, if you can't do it with the little, he says you won't be able to do it with the latter. Pastor, I'm just praying I make more money, I'm going to tithe. No, you won't. You're lying. I'm going to believe Jesus rather than you. You don't see yourself in the right light. If you saw yourself the way Jesus sees you, you wouldn't have any problem with it. But because of the way you see yourself, you're stingy. 
in the way you see yourself, you're the source instead of God. You got to shake yourself up and say, no, I got to see myself the way Jesus says. I got to see, I got to see myself that way. Not my way, but Jesus' way. Hallelujah. It's powerful. Now, here's the part that I've always struggled with in my life. The Bible is really clear that if you can see yourself possessing something, you will eventually possess it in your life. The problem is, I was born in an average family. We weren't wealthy, we weren't poor, but we weren't certainly not rich and certainly not real well off as far as middle class goes. And I saw myself as someone that worked hard but never had enough. That put in the time but never had that extra. That never could really deserve more than that. I just give it the best I can. You know, I didn't, you know, I, I, that's the way it is. When I came to Christ, it changed because the way I saw myself ended. I no longer, when I look into a mirror, do I see Jack. Now I see Christ in Jack. When I look in a mirror, I don't see my failures. I see Christ's successes. When I look and see, if you see yourself in a mirror, you're not looking right. The Bible says that Christ has changed our image. The way the Father sees you is the way that he sees Jesus. And it isn't until we wake up to the fact that, listen, it's Christ in me. It's Christ in me. It's Christ in me. I've got his righteousness. I've got his authority. Oh, man. Think about that for a minute, the power in what I just said. I want you to stand up right now. I want you to get this. This is so powerful. Jesus, the night before he was crucified on the cross, he told his disciples this. He said, listen, guys, once I'm resurrected in that day, my name's going to be exalted. And then he said, I don't want you to pray and think that the Father's going to answer your prayer because I'm praying for you. He said, when you go to the Father in prayer, you're going to go in my name. Gosh. In other words, you're going to step in for me and you're going to represent me on this earth when you pray in my name. That means that whatever you ask in my name, it's just as if I asked it. And whatever you ask, the Father will give it to you because you're representing me. You are writing checks for me. You, do you understand that if the church doesn't ask and believe, if the church doesn't seek to find, if the church doesn't believe God, God's will will not get done on this earth. God is at work in us, both to will and to do. Why? If he's going to do it himself, he wouldn't be working in you. But he's working in you because he needs you to believe. He needs you to seek God. He needs you to seek after his truth. <laughs> So when I'm praying or when I'm reading the word, I look in that, I see a mirror, but I don't see me. 
It's no longer I that liveth, but it's Christ that lives in me. I see Jesus praying for people to be saved. I see that I represent Jesus and the Father grants it to me because of his son inside of me. Remember when I taught you this a while back, that we're not to use the Lord's name in vain. And the Lord's name is what I am in Scripture. It's Jesus, but it's also I am. When you say I am a failure, you're using the Lord's name in vain. When you say I'm never going to make it, you're using the Lord's name in vain. When you say I am nothing, you're using the Lord's name in vain. But when you say... I am the head and not the tail. God's power is released in your life. And God adds to his name whatever you declare. God adds to his name whatever you need. Oh, my church, church, church. In other words, the power of God is distributed to you based on how you see yourself in Christ. Oh, man. A message like this does two things. It either gets you mad at the preacher or it brings you to your knees and brings you to a place of prosperity. A place where God supernaturally moves. When my voice went haywire, they didn't raise my salary at church. It wasn't their fault. We had $60,000 come in, not because I asked anybody for help. It just kept coming in. It kept coming in. Just kept coming in. You know why? I'm a tither. I said I'm a tither. I don't just ask the people to tithe. I tithe too. There's power in this. There's power in this. Maybe, I, you know, I, I, I'm not a billionaire by any means. But I always have more than enough. Always got more than enough. Didn't start out that way. It was tough. But I kept, fa- I was faithful with little. Faithful with little. We'd, my wife would write checks, put it on the cupboard so there's not enough money to cover it. Just put it on the cupboard and say, Lord, we're tithing. You're going to have to bring the money in somehow. That's when I was getting paid $50 a week. We didn't have medical. And you know what the God, God did? He healed my children so they didn't need medical. It's not, the, it's not the way that I would suggest any of you to do it. Get the medical. I'm just saying that God will honor you. He will bless you. You don't have revival in a church until people are, are giving. There's no such thing as a church that doesn't give. A church has to be givers. They have to be seeing supernatural things happen because of their gifts, because of their blessings, God coming through. I had one guy, he was, uh, his marriage was falling apart and, and he was on cocaine and he came to the church and he had his business and everything's falling apart and he gives his life to Christ, starts doing what the word says, starts, starts giving, his marriage was saved. His business went through the roof. You got to release it. 
I want you to say this with me because I don't want to take God's name in vain. All right? Say this with me. I am more than a conqueror. Every day I am. Every day I overcome. Every day I'm more than enough. Every day God's my source. Every day I'm going to succeed. Every day whatever I put my hand to do prospers. That's a long one. I am what God says I am. God says I'm the head. Add it to him, Lord. Add it to him right now. Add it to him right now. Add it to it right now. God says you'll lend and not have to borrow. Add it to him right now. I am a source to be reckoned with. I am more than a conqueror. I am a world changer. Help me out, church. I am healed. I am whole. I am healthy. I am strong. Come on, let the weak say that. to say you're rich when you're poor because that's not who you are in Christ. You are rich in Christ. Why would he say let the weak say they're strong? Because in Christ you're strong. I don't know if you got a hold of this or not, but I preach myself happy. Give God praise this morning right now for what he's doing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, with everybody praying and seeking the Lord right now, you know, I love Jesus so much. He's done so much for Joyce and my family and thousands of families. We've been able to minister over the years, and we're so blessed, highly favored. And I'm praying today for you because I was like many of you. I went to church. I was raised a Catholic went there and watched the ceremony and all that kind of stuff and go to the priest and they remind you how much sin you've committed and I never really saw the blessing and I never really knew Jesus because the church spent all this time telling me how worthless I was spent all the time telling me how messed up I was but when I'm in Jesus he said that's who you used to be this is who you are right now. He changed my identity. So when you see Jack, even with his white hair, it's Christ in Jack. That's all that matters. And today in this service, if you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm not saying that it'll be an overnight deliverance, but it will be over, it'll be instant within you. And you will not leave the same way that you came if you give Christ your life today. He will change the inside of you. He will change you, change your heart. And his spirit will come in you and he will transform your life. Pastor, I've got so many problems that Jesus is used to it. He came to destroy the works of the devil without destroying you. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.